Welcome to today's edition of the Paul List Comics and Culture Podcast. Every day I pick a comic and then I provide some analysis, discussion, and critical engagement. I'm Tu Ply on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I. My perspective is as a cultural critic, academic, and a teacher and preacher. So I try to be analytical since sometimes I get philosophical, sometimes I get a little spiritual. Well, since I do analysis of a comic's work each day for about 20 minutes, I do get into the details. So I always suggest that you read the work first, whether you buy it from your local retailer or digitally. Yes, that's a lightweight spoiler warning. All right, let's dig deep. It is Wednesday, and that's the day that we talk about the Wednesday wide world of comics, which means that I get outside of the box of the stuff that um, shows up in uh, comic book shops and really try to look at comics from around the world and from different uh, on different um, platforms and things like that. Um, and today, our book is going to be out of out on the wire: uh, the storytelling secrets of the new masters of radio uh, by cartoonist Jessica Abel. Published by Penguin Random House's um, subdivision Broadway Books. Uh, Wednesday is also a day that I talk about the my pull list, which um, our podcast is named after. The pull list, of course, are the books that I am getting in the shops this week that are being release, released. So we'll hit that at the end. Uh, but to start off, I want to um, just make mention of, uh, again, the a podcast that I learned so much about comics from, which is the Comics Alternative Podcast. Uh, occasionally, I'm part of the team there. I edit posts that go up on just the blog portion of the Comics Alternative. This week, um, Derek, uh, who was one of the two guys with PhDs talking about comics at that site, started a new monthly series uh, covering European comics. Uh, they call, they're calling it the, the Euro Comics Edition. And he and Edward Galvin, who is a gifted translator of European comics, um, also at work on a PhD like me, um, he, uh, they, they're covering, uh, titles that come from Europe, a couple of them every month. And that's exciting to me. It's the area of comics that is the most vast about which I have the least knowledge. And so I'm learning a ton and I'm going to try to occasionally talk about European comics here. I talked about, uh, in the very first, um, analysis episode, I talked about a European comic, Esteban. Uh, but there's so much I'm going to learn from that show. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but another episode of the Comics Alternative podcast this week, and this is going to lead into our book here, was an interview with creator Benjamin Frisch, who has just released a book through IDW, uh, actually uh, Top Shelf, called The Fun Family. But what's interesting about this for me is that Benjamin Frisch was is uh, is a cartoonist, as I said, who just came out with a comic, but was also involved in a podcast, which was the podcast that goes with today's book, Jessica Abel's Out on the Wire, which is just kind of a funny coincidence. Um, and so um, Jessica Abel, who is a cartoonist, uh, accomplished, um, she had a book called La Perdida, which was about her years as a uh, American expat in Mexico. Um, great comic. I really enjoyed it uh, years ago when it came out. And um, since then, she's also um, done lots of different kinds of comics work, uh, including two textbooks that she created with her husband, Matt Madden. Um, he have drawn together and a, a variety of other comics. Um, those two textbooks are called Drawing Words and Writing Pictures and Mastering Comics. And I, I really enjoyed them. Um, they're 
almost a comics course in themselves. Every chapter includes assignments and some theory and really getting to the heart of cartooning as theory um, in practice. And so it's very practical, but but not it's not, you know, how to draw uh, comics the Marvel way. You know, it's really about the, the storytelling and the relationship between panels and really um, boiling down to the essence of story and things like that. So um, Jessica Abel about 15 years ago, was approached by Ira Glass. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a podcast listener, then you might know Ira Glass as the voice and the um, you know main producer of This American Life, a public radio uh, show which was, I think, has broken significant ground and paved the way for a lot of shows following that have um, that have you know found a way to use the the platform of radio and then podcasts to uh, to tell stories in a very deft fashion in a way that grips you that gives you those uh, driveway moments npr is always talking about you know where you can't leave your car because you just want to listen to that story well you know the the kinds of shows that this american life you can you can say influenced or spawned or, or at least was a was a big part of opening the door for uh, shows like the moth or radio lab or snap judgment or planet money Serial uh, uh, famously took off huge last year. Invisibilia. Um, these are shows that um, do um, something that uh, she has labeled, Jessica Abel has labeled narrative journalism. Um, and it's really all about storytelling. Um, again, the subtitle of this is The Storytelling Secrets of the New Masters of Radio. And so what happened is, uh, to go back to my story here, 15 years ago, Ira Glass uh, knew about Jessica Abel as a cartoonist. They're both Chicago area folks. And he reached out to her and he said, I'd like to re- uh, reward you know, contributors to public radio and to This American Life with a sort of behind the scenes of how we do what we do here at This American Life. And I'd love for you to do it as a cartoonist. So Jessica Abel got to spend some time with Ira Glass and company, the other producers there at This American Life, to see how the sausage is made and really um, created a um, short comic. I think it's called Radio the Illustrated Guide or something like that. And much of it is reproduced here in this book. Um, but there's also a lot of framing and context around it. She mentions this assignment, that this task uh, 15 years ago that she got to do um, and, and shows how she captured the process for um, this American life stories to go from, you know, just a sort of a twinkle in the eye of one of those producers, an idea for a story, something interesting that caught their attention and, you know, is goes through many hours of, of the storytelling process and refinement and, um, you know, doing interviews and being out on the road and then winds up being these super compelling stories that we hear on this American life. And she takes that as an imprint and sort of um, uh, expands it by talking to not just Ira Glass, but um, the the folks behind these various uh, radio shows and podcasts that have really taken off and developed this storytelling medium on radio. And so um, the graphic novel is very much an informational sort of uh, comic. You see Jessica Abel in a Scott McCloud understanding comics kind of way, narrating to the to the audience, uh, interviewing people, um, uh, you know, showing through the visuals examples of the you know the waveforms that you do you use while you're editing or what it's like to be out in the road or in the streets doing those um person on the street interviews or um in the case of the um uh rate uh in the case of the the uh the moth um the the folks who are up on stage telling the story and their awkward pauses and things like that so um 
able, very ably, <laughs> uh, kind of shows all that is involved in the formation of stories and structures and editing um, and generating ideas um, and does it through the voices of these uh, different producers. It's a very text-heavy comic. Um, Jessica Abel's stuff tends to be pretty text-heavy. Uh, it doesn't mean that there's not a role for the um, the, the visuals, though. I, I find that um, sometimes uh, documentary-type comics, the drawings are almost just illustrations and the text is doing the real work. I think this is close to that, but there there is a more significant role. It's not just sort of window dressing uh, to have the art that, that uh, she includes in here. Um, what's really interesting about this to me is that um, there's something about podcasts and comics, which is obviously of interest to me here um, as a person doing a podcast about comics, um, but also interesting to me because there's just so many podcasts about comics. So, so many. Uh, if this is the only one that you've ever heard, how did that happen? Uh, but, but I'm a totally avid podcast listener. I've been listening to This American Life since its inception and, and um, quite a lot of shows like it. Also a fascinating comics reader. And there's something similar about, you know, have you found that people who are, people are either into podcasts and really into podcasts, like, obsessively to the point that their family members would just love to yank those headphones off their heads so that they could re-enter reality sometimes um they either are or they aren't or you know they don't know what is a podcast um and i find the same to be true of comics fans it's sort of like you're either um openly or secretly obsessed um they they dance around in your imagination when you close your eyes at night and you think about them all the time and every time somebody makes mention of uh, a comic, you just sort of, you know, your, your nose sort of drifts in that direction. Um, or you, you just kind of, you know, it's sort of like obsession or revulsion. And I, I feel like that's sort of especially true of these two platforms, these two media. Um, I think it has to do with the amount of intimacy and immediacy of both media that they're um, you don't need big corporate production. That doesn't mean there aren't big corporate productions. As Out on the Wire really shows, there's um, sometimes a huge amount of production involved by professionals who've honed with their craft um, with you know a lot of stakes. Sometimes these stories wind up defining the narrative, uh, as in the example of the, the well-known This American Life episode called The Big Pool of Money, which really shaped the narrative of the housing crisis and so forth. Um, I experienced that firsthand. I felt like that hearing that story actually helped me to gain a, a, a foothold on something that was otherwise incomprehensible and yet totally changed my life. Um, that being the housing crisis, but something about that, uh, and actually it, the title of of Out on the Wire is really Jessica Abel tries to find all kinds of formulae, you know, so different ones of these producers have different ideas about what a story needs to be, you know, a story needs to be something happens to someone because blank, but blank, you know, or or this is a story about X and it's interesting because of Y, and so there's all these formulas, but in the end, the really, the storyteller has to sort of step out onto the wire, she means, of course, like the, the tightrope walker, um, the, the high wire and just get out there and go out on a limb, so to speak, and just to let the story carry you, um, to have to carry the story, to do the fine balancing act of um, telling a story. 
And um, I think comics do something similar. What's funny is that each of them, both of them, are in a way stripped of one or the other uh, aspect um, channel that the other sort of is limited to what i mean is like audio is only audio <laughs> you know radio podcast it's only in your ears and comics are only in your eyes there's usually no sound or smells not at least not ones that are intentional <laughs> associated with the comics um and so it's sort of like each medium or platform has to do the utmost with its one sensory channel to do its thing and that's part of the fascination for me it you know y- you can um you can show sound, you can try to make an impression of sound in comics, but um, essentially it's still just, you know, a little, uh, little you know, onomatopoetic word on the page, right? Um, and so even, that's why I think to me, even corporately made comics or corporately made radio or podcasts, they do have a feeling of being very, very personal, of being very story-driven, you know, less sort of adorned with bells and whistles, less, um, maybe less of a trick, you know, of the eye, that you, like it might be in cinema or, or television. But um, there's a kind of um, bare bonesness to both forms that I think they have in common, and that I think leads to, inspires the kind of devotion that they do, or the revulsion. <laughs> um, and so it's very interesting for me to see a graphic novel make use of the graphic novel medium and um, uh, and sort of untangle all that's involved in creating these amazing radio stories that these shows do. Um, another interesting thing about this is that Out on the Wire, the book, um, I don't know if it led to or if it was always intended to be accompanied by a podcast. So there's a podcast if you search on your podcast outlets um, called Out on the Wire, Jessica Abel, as I mentioned, with um, help from Benjamin Frisch and I'm sure other people. It's very professionally produced. You can tell they applied many of the things that they learned talking to other um, successful podcasts. Um, for instance, it's a, it's a limited run. I think they're maybe going to do more, but it's a season the way that serial is like, you know, a season serial was like a season. Um, and they just expand on the things that they talk about here in this book about storytelling. It's worth a listen, uh, check it out. Um, but it's funny because now I'm a podcast about comics talking about a comic that, uh, that was a pot that is also a podcast made by a cartoonist who made a comic as they talked about on another podcast who helped out with a podcast. Uh, now that's probably clear as mud. Um, so I, I think overall, um, this is, uh, to me, the part of the wide world of comics in that um, it's published by Penguin and Ran- Pe- Penguin Random House, a subdivision called Broadway Books. I think that um, it's, it's the kind of comic that somebody who is not a comics fan but is just interested in the, the topic and in the way that it's being told would be drawn to and not feel like not being a comic reader would inhibit them from enjoying or learning from this. I mean, it's um, it basically doesn't have many of the barriers that make comics hard to enter. Um, it also has a certain amount of the um, NPR class, uh, uh, you know, um, aroma of, of intelligence that um, otherwise, you know, would repel a person from a comic. Um, so it's, um, it's good. I 
I definitely recommend it if you're a comics fan, if you're just a podcasting fan, or if you are, like me, um, a fan of both. Um, I think it's really capably done. Um, but it, it really leads me to, to think about this idea of uh, not only what I'm, what I'm doing here with this podcast, but what we all do with podcasts and with comics, which is the quest to tell a story. Um, I've mentioned in the intro each week that I am um, an academic and I am a, uh, you know, a teacher. Um, I'm an English teacher. I, I worked as a high school English teacher for many years. Um, I loved it. I felt successful. It felt gratifying. It felt worthwhile. I entered graduate school because I wanted to be able to take some of what I learned and influence the field of education, specifically English education, um, and to, to push us to think about the um, this, the justice implications of what we do as English teachers. Um, similarly, I mentioned that I am also a preacher, um, and uh, occasionally, and I'm also um, a cultural critic. And it's because it's because stories matter so much to me. And a lot of this book, um, you know, she doesn't really talk much about recording equipment, for instance, or um, she does talk about collaboration a lot, and that's really interesting. But um, it, it's primarily structured around the structure of stories of storytelling and i think stories are um what make us who we are it's really in the fabric of our thinking it's um you know for those who ascribe to a kind of narrative theory and as an academic i'm sort of in the anthropological sociological tradition and so the way i think about people and human beings is very much that we are shaped by narratives and stories and the way that we understand and and um reckon with truth and knowledge uh, facts is even then through stories you know we can say oh it's statistics it's replicable phenomena but we tend to understand those in our mind i would argue through the structure of stories and narratives even scientific facts let alone you know human phenomena i think we have narratives in our head that tell us what things look like what things do um, what what motivates people um, why things are the way that they are we're story-formed people, is what I'm saying. And Jessica Abel, in this book, seems to be um, hyper-interested in the way that you make a story out of the things that you see, that you perceive. Do you, um, do you drive to a, a, an event, let's say, that you're covering? Let's say there's a protest, or let's say there's a, a political rally, or let's say you're visiting a small town where some horrific crime happened or something. When you go there, do you already have the story in mind? And do you just let the reality confirm or surprise you and just alter and shape that story? Um, that's one of the things that Ira Glass admits that he came to learn early on in his journalistic career, that if he goes into a, a setting to report on it with no previous story in mind, nothing to either be confirmed or, or to be to be bucked, then uh, he really doesn't know what to do after he's gathered all of the, the information and the data that he sees. And the same is true, I think, for researchers is that, you know, you spend quite a lot of time formulating your theory and your hypotheses because you have a story in mind of how things will unfold. And maybe they do, maybe they don't, and then maybe you have to challenge and revise your story. But um, we are very much creatures that are, we're creatures of story. And um, what happens in the process of turning that story into something that's public and created, that is, the, that is exactly what comics do. That's what comics are about. That's how comics go, you know, differentiate themselves from the uh, isolated drawings that you do just for yourself, for your own fancy 
and turn into something public and communicative that they turn it turns into language um and so uh, i think for any of us who are interested in how stories are made uh and interested in whether that's because you're a storyteller you want to be a creator of stories or whether because as in my case you're interested in the analysis of stories and how they bespeak our humanity then um i think this this whole set of ideas is is really worth pursuing so um yeah check it out out on the wire uh storytelling secrets of the new masters of radio i should mention the book actually came out a year ago august 2015 it's not a new new book and usually i try to cover newer books even in my thursday throwback i'm gonna try to cover you know omnibuy or deluxe editions or or archival uh, reprints or something like that that come out fairly recently but i think i'm gonna give myself a little bit of leeway to talk about things that are um just interesting to me that are just of recent vintage all right so that's our wednesday wide world of comics out on the wire um to get to the other side of what what you do on here on wednesdays is to talk about my pull list and i decided that i would just kind of talk about it the way that um, previews world tends to run down um the comics that are coming to shops which is in order by publishers with the major publishers in alpha and then um, other publishers grouped together at the end so um just to, i think some things worth talking about dark horse this this uh, week is coming out with the seventh volume of the nexus omnibus if you've never read nexus the steve rude and um mike Barron series uh Dark Horse has been sort of faithfully collecting this entire run of this very uh, 80s series, which has lasted, you know, the decades since. Um, Nexus is super interesting, man. I mean, I didn't really know much about it until I started just picking up one of the Omnibuy and reading, and it's a fascinating um, setup. I haven't gotten through all the previous six, but, um, yeah, it's sort of you know, sci-fi-ish, superhero-ish, but with a lot of tangled um, p- p- political complexity, I'm going to say. All right, another a title is Mystery Girl, which is a miniseries that is being collected from Dark Horse. I'm, I'm interested in that one. Um, DC is in the midst of its rebirth, and so I am continuing to enjoy what they're doing. They're double-shipping books, which means they're coming out of other week and so aquaman 2 batman 2 green arrow 2 green lanterns 2 superman 2 uh all out this week and all probably going to continue to be in my list of titles to watch i'm going to be reading them i'm going to be seeing how much i can stick with them i'm going to tell you that uh green lanterns is already kind of on the edge on the chopping block but that's just because i'm not a huge green lantern guy um i think the um batman by tom king was very interesting it got a little bit of a little bit of panning um, critically, but I I like I really liked, you know, Mr. Batman uh, flying a plane from its roof. Uh, I was down with that. Um, Superman though is just awesome. Uh, Pat Gleason and and uh, Pete Tomasi are doing quite a job there. Also from DC, the um, Sheriff of Babylon and Unfollow titles have their latest issues, and those are actually the two Vertigo titles from this new you know recent new launch of a bunch of titles that i've been sticking with um of course twilight children but that was limited and then of course we we lost darwin cook um but uh unfollow man that's just creepy stuff and sheriff of babylon is just some again writer tom king um with some really really gorgeous art um those are two titles that you should uh not unfollow you should 
definitely keep following. Um, from IDW, Jack Kirby's Thor Artist Edition is a book that I will not buy because I can't afford it. Um, but if I um, had a million dollars or no conscience and stole money from children, then I would, or something, then I would <laughs> I would get that, but I, I won't. Um, from Image, Black Science 22, um, and you sort of further remender love uh deadly class hardcover deluxe edition which i think has like 400 pages of deadly class um those two i've been uh behind but following um the fix um sort of steve lieber uh shoot i'm blanking on the his his compadre uh the fix is fun <laughs> paper girls number seven of course comes out um that's the vaughn and cliff chang book that you've got to be following ronaldo jones one percent number three i'm going to be reading that uh, Roche Limit Monadic number four. I've been kind of tracking with that series. Um, Michael Morici, the writer, is um, is uh, interesting guy. Uh, I like him. And then Tokyo Ghost number eight. Tokyo Ghost is um, another remender. Hard to hard to ignore that book. Uh, so cool looking. Um, Sean Murphy art from Marvel. Um, A Force has a trade paperback for its sort of post-secret wars run and i'm gonna be i'm into that i like it the ben caldwell art um ben caldwell was the artist on prez and uh then came over and did a force am i right about that is that right is that ben caldwell on art i think so is there a joelle jones in there somewhere maybe anyway the art is great and uh the series is interesting it's very um it's very interesting how i think it's a commentary a little bit on um on how the female characters have carried on and carried over without needing all of this um super event super, you know secret wars hype and yet uh because it happened to the universe they're very put upon and uh having to deal with it uh anyway Amer amazing spider-man 15 is on my list cap wilson cap in america sam wilson you like how i abbreviated that cap wilson uh 11 is on the list um uh, I'm going to be picking up Empress 4, which is a um, Stuart Eminen illustrated Mark Miller series that I've enjoyed so far. Um, Punisher 3. I have a funny history with Punisher. I don't know if I'll ever talk about this. Punisher was actually one of the first comics I ever got. One of the first heroes I was ever into and heroes in qu quotation marks. Um, over time, I've really just sort of been, I've read a lot of Punisher. Uh, you know, you name it. You're Jason Aaron's, you're um, Claus Jansen, you're um uh shoot, um, what Ennis, you know i've read a lot of punisher and some of it is just um appealing to a side of me that i don't love to nurture um some of it i still feel that way <laughs> but um becky clooney clunin is writing it not becky clooney not george clooney's daughter becky <laughs> becky clunin is writing it and uh that's good enough for me um scarlet witch number 8 and the first a trade um scarlet witch is being written by james robinson if you haven't checked out this book he's got a different artist every issue and the artists he's featuring are just awesome i mean to me the sort of top of the field as far as the superhero world uh, and some of them who've sort of cracked in from outside the super superhero field a lot of them actually so i love i love that book i i can't remember who uh is drawing eight i uh, maybe the aforementioned joel jones maybe somebody else i'm not sure but it's, a, it's an interesting series. I don't know so much about the story. James Robinson is hit or miss for me. Sometimes his hits are hit very hard, and I like that. 
Um, Silver Surfer number five. Um, Silver Surfer's been a title ever since Slot and All Red have been on it that I've been on. Spider Woman number nine, Totally Awesome Hawk eight. Um, that was Hulk eight, by the way. Um, Moon Knight number four. I'm still giving it a try because I love Jeff Lemire. Um, although I'm not a huge fan of Moon Knight and Spidey number eight, which most people aren't reading if they don't think they're part of the target audience, the target audience being ch young children. But because of that, if you count yourself out because of that you are missing out. Um, one graphic novel that I'm picking up is called Cook Korean, which is a comic book with recipes. I don't know anything about the creative team. I just saw that it was a comic book about cooking Korean food with recipes and it had my money. Um, Faith Volume 1 from Valiant. Uh, Faith is the um, superhero with a realistic body size and proportions who um, has just a zest and a joy. And I've already read the series, but I like the trade. Uh, I mean, I, I'd like to have it in trade. I like to, I'd like to give it to some people and show them, you know, comics are not what we stereotypically think all the time. Um, it's good, good fun series. Another fun series is from Boom. Giant Days number sixteen is out. If you haven't read Gi Giant Days, that's one to jump aboard. It is just college students. It is not, uh, you know, no sci-fi, no weird, um, crazy uh, premise. No, you know, Blade Runner meets the vampires. It's just college students, and it's awesome. John Allison and artists. Um, I'm gonna get Boom's Peanuts Friends Forever 2016 Special Number One. I don't know if many people are reading this Boom uh, Peanuts. They basically are adapting and sometimes making original stories, sometimes just cobbling together a bunch of Schultz's Peanuts stuff. Um, but because my daughter and I um, and my wife are such Peanuts aficionados, we've been reading this um, Boom project of Peanuts. And I think it's wrapping up here, at least for now. But um, uh, that's uh, something to see. And if you haven't seen those, I mean, you know, if you're a sort of um, Peanuts devotee, you're going to, it's not Schultz. Nobody's Schultz. I just, there's this awesome page in Understanding Comics where um, Scott McCloud shows how you could take a Charlie Brown face and just nudge the nose like the tiniest bit lower. And you just know, you can just sniff out. That's not Schultz's charlie brown and um something about the face and our ability to read it and our familiarity with the positioning of things vis-a-vis -vis each other even when you can't identify what's wrong with it you just know you just know when it's schultz and you know these artists who and and uh, writers who've been doing these peanut stories look they're not schultz but um they're doing a pretty darn good job um it's a pretty good imitation um, and finally, I'll mention One Punch Man, which is a manga book, and uh, manga is uh, uh, one of my common blind spots, but One Punch Man is a book that I've enjoyed the first couple of volumes of, so I'll probably eventually get that digitally and add it to the pile of One Punch Man that one day I will, uh, I'm going to read it all in one punch. I'm going to sit down, it's going to punch me for however many hours, and uh, I'm going to knock it out. So that's on my pull list for this week. Um... Boy, is that interesting to anybody? I mean, you know, you might have just turned me off for the last 10 minutes, and that's fine. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's now into the third, uh, second week, I think, of doing this. We're going to get into our, our third week of daily podcasts, and I'm um, still waiting to hear from iTunes. Um, if you've been listening, you're still listening, uh, maybe you're my, my cousin, <laughs> or maybe you happened upon this somehow, some way. Listen, I just want you to know I thank you. Um, 
if there's any uh, consolation for me in doing this, it's really in knowing that someone out there is thinking about uh, comics in such a way that I am. And I would love, love to hear from you. I'm at Tuply on Twitter uh, or Tuply at gmail.com. And um, yeah, keep reading. All right. 